Welcome again to Lakeshore. We're so glad that you're with us. Smyrna Campus, we're so glad you guys are with us today. Those that are connecting with us online or listening to the podcast, we're so glad you are with us as well. Uh, we are in a series in the book of James. We've been, going, we've been going straight through verse by verse, and we're going to continue that today with a message that I've entitled, Avoid Being Judgmental. Uh, and I'm talking here, James is talking about a particular kind of of judgment that we sometimes do. Uh, that video had a little bit of it in it. I couldn't find a video that was really uh, fine-tuned to what we're talking about today, but that one introduced the idea of what we're going to be talking about today. I want to begin by just reading verses 11 and 12 of James chapter 4. You can open up your Bibles there or pull it up on your smartphone or your tablet. James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Here's what he says. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. See, slander is the word we're going to focus on today as a kind of judgment. It's a kind of uh, uh, not just gossip. There's a little bit of a difference to it. Uh, to help you understand the difference, here, here's what slander would be. It's more the intent behind what you're saying. It's saying something about someone, telling something about them, with the intent, not just to make yourself look good, but to bring harm or pain or suffering or destruction to the other person's life. It's intentionally trying to destroy them or their reputation in some way so that they cannot save face in front of others because of what you've said or done. It can be true. It can be untrue. It doesn't matter. It's the intent behind what you're saying. And only you know where your heart is, you and God, know where your heart is behind what you're saying, what you're telling. Uh, but sometimes even those on the outside can recognize that this is definitely slander. Now, let me give you an example of slander. If you were to tell people, Pastor Randy has converted, he's now a UT Vols fan. That would be slanderous. Okay, that would be something you told with intent to hurt, to destroy reputation uh, among my friends and my family. So, so you see, there is a subtle difference between uh, some types of gossip and what he's talking about here is slander. So he says, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save and destroy, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So I want to look at three th things about this slander, this judgment that we're talking about here, this, this way we can do this to hurt or destroy our brothers and sisters. And remember here, he's talking specifically about brothers and sisters in Christ. Remember this letter is written to the church, and he's talking about how we can sometimes within the church family slander each other and how destructive that is. So let's look at the first thing, and that is the restriction that he gives us against slander. Remember the first part of verse 11, brothers and sisters, so he's talking about Christian brothers and sisters here, do not slander one another. The way this is written is with an implication that they were doing this. The people who originally received this letter 
word had come to James, or he had overheard this himself, that they were actually some people within the brotherhood of Christians were slandering other Christians. And he needed to call them out on it. He needed to, even though they wouldn't want to hear it, even though they wouldn't want to be exposed, even though they did not desire to be accused of slander, it needed to happen. So the restriction is to stop slander. It's going on and you need to stop it, James is saying. The, uh, the Corinthian church, the church at Corinth has two letters written specifically to it from Paul in the New Testament. First and second Corinthians are called in our New Testament. The church at Corinth had a lot of problems. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. And the first letter that Paul writes to the church at Corinth is a discipline, more of a disciplinary letter to call them out in their sin, to reveal it, to expose it, and then to bring correction to it. The second letter is more of a follow-up with the correction that was taking place. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 7, Paul says this to the church at Corinth. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means that you have been completely defeated already. He says within that church family, there were members who were actually suing each other even though they were members of the same church. He says that just shows right up front, if you're doing that, how defeated you are already, how Satan has you right where he wants you, if that's what you're doing to each other within the church. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. Uh, do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And then he begins to list people who, if they don't change, they don't repent, they don't correct it, they are not going to be part of the kingdom of God. Here's what he says. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But here's the hope that he gives them. Okay, listen to this. Even though they had been participating in those things or had done those things in the past. He says, and this is what some of you were. In other words, there was that opportunity for them to leave that in the past with the help of God. Here's what he says. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. With God's help, with God's grace, with God's forgiveness, they were transformed. They were able to turn from the sinful activities to the righteous activities that God wanted them to have in their lives. Now, the reason I say that is because when James says, do not slander, stop this slandering that's going on, He's telling us, and other scriptures tell us, it's possible to change. You don't have to keep doing what you're doing. If it's outside the will of God, we can't just go on saying, well, we're only human, and, and God will understand, and it's just my, you know, it's my circumstances are different than somebody. No, he's wanting to transform us, change us. And slander is one of those things that he says will keep us from inheriting the kingdom of God. We won't be included in the kingdom of God if we go on participating as slanderers of other people, especially brothers and sisters in Christ, but anybody. But how terrible is it for it to be happening within the church family? 
for people to be slandering those who are supposed to be their brothers and sisters in Christ. So instead of that, if we're supposed to change, if we're supposed to be transformed by the power of God, then instead of uh, slandering, we need to stop that and we need to start building others up. That's how God wants us to be speaking to each other and about each other is in a way that builds each other up. Paul said in Ephesians 4, verse 29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. All right, so that's the, that's the restriction. But then what should we let come out of our mouths? Here's what he says. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So he says, as a filter, you need to put everything through before you say it. Here's the filter. Is it helpful for building other people up for me to say this, for me to share this information? Is it going to help build up other people according to their needs? Is it going to benefit those who listen? The word benefit there means to help them in a good way. Is it going to benefit them? for me to share the information that I'm about to share. That's a great filter to put over our mouths, isn't it? James had a lot to say about the tongue, didn't he? Over and over again, all throughout the book of James, he's talking about controlling our tongues. Slander is one of the worst uses of the tongue we could have, especially slandering our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know what I really am burdened by as a pastor? It breaks my heart to hear it and to see it. It has become in vogue now to tear down the church of Jesus Christ, to criticize it, to speak bad, evil of the church, even among those who claim to be part of the church. So much critical spirit in the body of Christ. So much what could be sometimes called slander and how we talk about each other. Here's the thing, when you... When you criticize the church who's the church it's your brothers and sisters in Christ so when you're tearing down the church you are tearing down your own family your own brothers and sisters in Christ and James is saying stop it you can't keep doing that and expect God's blessing you can't keep doing that with your tongue and expect to be included in the kingdom of God why would God want that in his kingdom Something that's going to hurt it, destroy it, tear it down, rip it apart. Why would he want to welcome that into the kingdom? Of course he wouldn't want that in, the fa in his family. So we've got to keep our mouths in check. We've got to start understanding that we can't let unwholesome talk keep coming out of our mouths. But instead, we need to put this filter on where we, before we say it, ask, is it helpful for building others up according to their needs? Is it going to be beneficial in a good way for me? to say what I'm going to say, to share what I'm going to share? Or is the intent in my heart when I say it to hurt or destroy somebody else or their reputation, their ability to be respected among their brothers and sisters? You see, we all need to put that filter on there, that, that check before we say what we're going to say. Now, I know it's tempting. We all hear things or see things or think we know things that may or may not be accurate that we think, boy, you know, people would, would love to hear this. I would be the center of attention if I shared this, if I told this. It, it, it's all about us when we do that. 
And slander has the intent of making yourself look better while in the process destroying somebody else. Friends, your light will never shine brighter by snuffing out somebody else's light, ever. It will never make you look better to tear down somebody else in the process. And usually it's all self-centered jealousy that promotes this idea of trying to tear down somebody else. We try to couch it like you saw in that video with prayer requests kinds of approaches, like we're so concerned. Still put the filter on it, even if you're trying to make it a prayer request. Are you going to share it in a way that builds up the other person, that benefits the other person? And is it something that even needs to be told at all? Couldn't we just pray without the details? Because God already knows the details. We don't have to update him on any of it. He's got it already. So, we see the restriction. Stop the slander. Instead, build each other up. Well, what are the reasons for that? Why is that such a big deal? Look at the second part of verse 11. Anyone who speaks against a brother or a sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it but sitting in judgment on it. Now, there are a couple of possibilities on what he means by the law here or sitting in judgment of the law. One is he's already emphasized in this letter the law of love, right? So if, if we're supposed to love God and love others, then slander goes directly against that law that we are supposed to be living under the law of love. There's nothing loving about slandering someone ever at all. Nothing loving about that. So we're saying the law doesn't apply to me, or in this case, it doesn't apply to me. It's okay for me to do this, even though the law says I'm supposed to love these people. So you're acting like you're the judge who can decide what the law ought to be for you. That's one possibility. The other possibility is this. We've talked about this already, but that is how we try to pick and choose parts of the law, God's law that applies to us, right? Like, I understand, uh, you know, yeah, you shouldn't talk bad about me, uh, but in this case, it was necessary for me to share this information about that other person. Here's something somebody told me a long time ago, and I think you ought to remember this because it's true. If they're talking bad about someone to you, you can be sure when you're not around, they are talking bad about you to somebody else. You can be certain of it. That's who they are. That's what they do. But the question is not what are they doing. The question is what are you doing? How are you using your mouth, your language, your words? Are you building others up? Tearing others down? Well, let's look at the reasons it's such a problem. He's, he's giving us, James is saying, and, and other passages tell us, that for us to do that, it's really hypocritical for us to slander anybody. It's hypocritical. Now, I want to clarify something right up front. If you ever try to use the excuse, I'm not going to go to church because there are hypocrites there, then that's one of the worst excuses you could possibly come up with. That's like saying, I'm not going to keep going to the gym because there are out-of-shape people there. I'm only going to go to the gym with everybody that's already in shape. That's the only gym I'm going to go to, right? Isn't that ridiculous? 
People in the church are people who are flawed and they make mistakes and they come short. And the reason they're in church should be to learn and to grow and be transformed by the power of God. So they don't already have their act together and you shouldn't expect that everybody there is already going to have their act together. If you wait to go to a church where everybody has their act together, you'll never find one. If you do, don't go there because you're going to mess it up. Because you don't have your act together. Okay? That's why it's hypocritical for us to slander somebody else or to say I'm not going to church because they're hypocrites in the church. That's ridiculous. It's hypocritical for us. That's why Jesus taught, remember in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, beginning with verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, Jesus says. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus uses sarcasm and humor here. Uh, For their culture, this would have been hilarious because they would have been picturing, as Jesus told this, somebody over their brother with a little speck in their eye, tried to get it out while a plank was sticking out of their eye. Now, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Would you let somebody try to get a speck out of your eye while they had a plank in theirs? I wouldn't because they're likely going to poke my eye out. You can't poke your eye out. You can poke it in. You got to get in there and gouge it to get it out. I'm not going to let them try to get a speck out of my eye while they got a plank sticking out of theirs. But notice this, too, because this is one of the most abused passages, along with judge not lest you be judged. Those are abused so much. Listen to what he says in verse 5. First, take the plank out of your own eye. Then, what are you supposed to do? Help your brother get the speck out of his. But you notice what he's talking about here is the motive behind it. You see, if you see a brother that has a struggle going on where there's a problem and they're hurting and it's causing pain to them and to others, the motive should be to help them make corrections so that they don't keep doing that. Why? Because you truly love and care about your brother or your sister in Christ. You're not trying to tear them down. You're not out there slandering them to other people. Between you and them, you're trying to help them. That's not being judgmental. That's being loving and caring towards your brother and sister. But don't be a hypocrite about it. Don't make it like they're the only one with the struggle or the problem when you've got your own struggles and problems going on too. One of the things that keeps more people away from the church, I think, is this idea that we put on this show that we all have our act together at church and they don't feel like they can fit in with their struggles and their pains and the things that are going on, the mess of their lives. I got news for you. Everybody here at Lakeshore, I know you guys pretty well, and you know me. We're all a big mess. All of us. So if somebody out there is messy, they'll fit right in, and they need to be welcomed right in to the the mess of our lives. But we need to get that plank out of our eyes so that we can help our brother or our sister with what's going on in their lives. Let's not be hypocritical in our approach to this. You see, this idea of judge not lest you be judged should not be taken the wrong way. It should not be taken to mean that there is no judgment, there is no correction that ought to take place. That's not what he's talking about. He's just saying you're not the judge. 
God is. And so his word is the standard of judgment. And to help people understand and make correction according to the word of God, that's not judging them yourself. That's letting God judge and transform and remake them into what God wants them to be. You do it with the right intent so that they can have the blessings that God wants them to have in their lives. And you're not trying to do it to tear them down in front of others. Well, here's another reason it's a problem, and that is it hurts the church when we do that. I already talked about this a little bit, but we're all part of the same family. And for us to slander somebody else in the family, it doesn't just hurt them. It hurts the whole family for us to do that. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 16, talking about the church being a body, the body of Christ. He says, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You see, you're part of the body of Christ. That's what the church is. And your role in the body of Christ is not to hurt any other part of the body. Instead, it's to strengthen and build up all the other parts by functioning the way God designed you to function. Never has God called on you to tear down or hurt another part of the body of Christ. It's never God's calling in your life to do that. Instead, if you could help that part be better and stronger and more effective, what does it do for you and for everybody else? It helps the whole body. It benefits the whole body. But if you harm or destroy one part of the body, what does that do to the whole body? It hurts the whole body. I've used this illustration before, but it's amazing how connected all the parts of the body is. If you don't believe it, just get up in the middle of the night, like I did the other night, and stub your toe on the corner of the dresser. It's just a toe, but my whole body reacted, right, to just stubbing my toe. I didn't intentionally do that. That wasn't slander, but think about it. If you intentionally hurt another part of the body, what does it do to the whole body? It brings pain to the whole body. That's why he says stop the slander. Stop the gossip that tears down and destroys. Don't let God... Uh, be disappointed in the way we're, st- we're not building each other up the way we need to. It's, it's his body. It's the body of Christ. It's the bride of Christ. Why would we want to hurt it in any way? Why would we want to talk bad about the church at all when it's the bride of Jesus that we're talking about? Let's stop being so negative and critical and tearing down and destroying. Let's start building each other up. It hurts the church when we slander. But here's another reason. It also hurts you when you do that. Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2, Jesus said this, Do not judge or you too will be judged. Right? There's that verse. But he says this, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So what's the intent behind how you're judging others? Are you doing it to try to help and build up and make them better and strengthen the body? Are you trying to tear other people down to make yourself look better or to keep people from liking them so much or, you know, whatever it is? What are you doing? Because here's the thing. The way you're doing that to them, what's God going to do for you? He's going to treat you the same way. If that's how you're determined to treat others, God will be determined to treat you that way. And here's what I know. 
if I'm doing that to somebody else and I can find something to use against them and slander them, God can certainly find something about me to use that way against me. There's plenty there for God to use if he wants to use it against me. And I've got a feeling you're in the same boat I am. I've got a feeling we all have plenty of stuff there that if God wants to, he can take any of that and all of that and he can use it to destroy us if he chose to do that. Now, I'm thankful for the grace of God that he chooses not to. But friends, he says, if we go on doing this, we're going to be judged the same way that we're judging others. So it can hurt you. You think you're trying to help yourself by tearing other people down to make yourself look better. And maybe in the eyes of some people in the world, they do think more of you if you do that. They do think that, that there's, you're better than those other people or something. But, but here's the thing. They're not the ones that are going to be judging you. God is. Shouldn't his opinion of you mean more to you than what anybody else thinks of you? Shouldn't that be the highest motivating factor and how you choose to treat other people is that you want God to treat you that way. So it hurts you. But there's another element to this that's really important for us to remember. And that is, it's impossible for us to judge rightly anyway. It's impossible for us to do that. Here's why. We can't know everything about what's going on there. See, everybody's got a story. Everybody. Everybody's got something that has brought you to where you are right now. Events and activities, things that have happened to you throughout your life that have brought you to where you are right now. Everybody's got a history, a story behind what you're doing, why you're doing it, how you're doing it. Everybody does. And you can't possibly know everybody else's story. You can't possibly know why they're in the situation they're in. Why they're making the choices that they're making. Wrong they may be, but you don't know why they ended up there. How they ended up there. You don't have all the information to make accurate judgment of other people in their lives. You don't. You don't know everything about my life. You don't know some of the stuff I have experienced throughout my life. You don't. You see Pastor Andy on stage, you think, wow, you know, such a good family. You see the pictures on Facebook from vacation, and wow, everything's great. You don't know the stories behind our family. You don't. I'm blessed. I've got a wonderful family, but my family's had all kinds of struggles along the way. You don't know all the stories. You don't know anybody else's story either. So we're not able to judge rightly. Romans 2, verse 1, Paul said this, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. You've got your own junk to deal with. You don't have to size up anybody else and destroy them. Just be thankful for the grace of God in your own life. I'm reminded in the Old Testament when God was about to choose another king for his people, and he sent Samuel to Jesse and his family to see his sons to pick the next king. And in 1 Samuel 16, verses 6 and 7, it says this. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance 
or his height. Boy, I like that one. What are you laughing at? I said, I like that one. For I have rejected him. <laughs> Thought you were going to get in there because you were tall. <laughs> the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at what? The heart. You see, you can't look into the heart of other people, but God can. And that's what qualifies him to be the judge and not you, not me. He looks at the heart. And you cannot see somebody's heart. Now, you may see some evidence of where their heart is, but you can't really judge their hearts. You can't. So we've got to stop acting like we can be the judges because we're not qualified. It's impossible for us to judge rightly. God knows all things, past, present, and future. He is the only one in the position to make accurate judgment of anybody. None of us can do that. So let's look at the final thing here, the reality. Look at verse 12. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So a couple of things we need to do. First, recognize who we are. Let's be honest and real about who we are. I think it'll cut out all the slander if we start really seeing ourselves the way we ought to see ourselves. Look at Romans 3, 22 to 24. The righteousness, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have what? Sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. If you're going to be in the kingdom of God, it's not because you did better than that person. It's not because you didn't do some of the stuff they did. It's not because you didn't make the mess of their lives that they made of theirs. It's because you are justified by the grace of God through what Jesus did for you on the cross. That's the only way you're going to be welcome into the kingdom of God. It's the only way I'm going to be welcome into the kingdom of God. I'm justified by His grace, not by my goodness or my right actions or me being better than somebody else. I'm not going to get in that way because I've sinned just like you have. And I can only be justified by the grace of God. So we've got to recognize who we are. We're all sinners. We are all lost. We're all in a position where we would be separated and excluded from the kingdom if it were not for the grace of God and the payment of Jesus on the cross. The second thing is we need to recognize who God is. Recognize who God is. In Acts 17, Paul has... Uh, on his missionary journey at the time, went to Athens, Greece. And when he got to town, he walked around the town and observed the people and the surroundings there in town. And he was invited because they had heard about him being a teacher and a philosopher in their minds. They loved meeting together and sharing. Uh, different philosophers would share things, their information, their teaching, their view of life. And so they invited Paul to come and be a part of that. It says in verse 22, Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. 
So he's proclaiming the one true God to them in verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. And God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. A son of, of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, he says, since we are God's offspring, we should not think the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now... Now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this by raising him from the dead. There's only one God, one judge. And at the appointed time, we will all stand before him. And we will be judged by Christ. And what we did with Jesus. See, instead of us living our lives, trying to somehow build ourselves up to look better by tearing other people down, James is saying, God's word is saying, recognize who you really are. Recognize who the judge is. And understand there is going to be judgment. And we're all going to stand before the judge. And the only way any of us can stand up under that judgment is to be clothed by the righteousness that comes from Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that in your word you have revealed to us how wrong it is for us to use our mouths for slander or gossip to tear, any, tear anybody else down, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, we should never treat each other that way. Help us instead to be transformed by the power of your spirit and the teaching of your word so that we can use our mouths, our language to build others up. And Father, our goal should be for all of us to try to help each other be prepared for the judgment because we are clothed with Christ. For somebody here today, Father, somebody hearing this message today that needs to prepare to stand before you one day as we all will, may they know today, may they be moved today to come and accept the righteousness that you offer through being clothed with Jesus and his righteousness. I pray that today that decision would be made for them. We ask it all in the name of our righteous judge, Jesus Christ. Amen.